Okay, good evening. A good chaydish to everyone, a good chaydish, and a good chaydish, and a really good chaydish. Um, just an introduction before tonight's class. First of all, we don't have a mic because it needs to go, it needs to be repaired. Um, so, you're going to hear me. Um, the second thing is that I was working on preparing a class today for about two and a half hours. And then I scrapped it like about a half an hour ago and said, there's no way I'm going to teach that. It's just too difficult and too complicated and too, too much. So I grabbed and looked for a different mimer that looked more readable. And this is what I picked. So I didn't even look at this. So I don't, I'm learning it together with you for the first time. But the quality of this is as follows. Usually when a person toils, the, the, the success you have in all toiling has nothing to do with your toil. You toil. Then Hashem gives the bracha. In, in, and that's in every case. If you work in a business and you toil very hard, you go to school and then you do all the things, and then you're successful, it's not because you, you went to school and it's not because you're so smart and it's not because you went into the market in the right time. You're successful because Hashem gives you success. But it's harder to see that because, because it's more con it concealed in the natural means of things. When, however, you work on a business and you toil and you do your work and then you win the lottery, then you see it was clearly coming from God. But the truth is, even when you're successful in the business, it's also coming from Hashem. So in this case, it's like this. I toiled in one mimer and hopefully we'll find the blessing in the other mimer. That's the trick. So here we go. See, um, the fragrance of my son is like the fragrance of a field that God has blessed. When Yaakov came into um, Yitzchak disguised as Esau, and Yitzchak gave him the blessings, we say that Yitzchak exclaimed and he said, Wow! And he told him, Come over, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, uh, let me feel you. If you are my son, uh, are you my son Esau? And then he comes over and he feels him and then he kisses him and he says, you have such a, a wonderful fragrance. I smell the smell of Gan Eden. That's what Rashi says. Like the, you smell, the, uh, like the, you have the fragrance, the odor or the, the, the scent rather, the scent of Gan Eden. It says, like the scent of the field, Hashem, that Hashem has blessed. And then he goes on and he begins to bless him. That God should give you from the from the dew of heaven. Now, if you count the blessings that Yitzchak blesses Yaakov, there are ten. Thinking it's Esav, there are ten blessings. Why ten blessings? They correspond to the ten utterances that Hashem created the world. The ten utterances. So, corresponding to the ten utterances, there are ten blessings. That means that Yitzhak is blessing him in every aspect of creation. Every aspect of creation. Hashem spoke ten, ten utterances to create the world, and in every aspect of creation there is a bracha. And that's why we also find that these blessings correspond to those ten utterances. You can see a correlation if you line them up, the ten utterances. And the ten blessings that Yitzchak gives to Yaakov, you find that there is a connection between them. Some of them are more obvious, and some of them obviously we have to get a little bit better insight. 
For example, what's the first one of the ten utterances? Bereshis bara Elokim, Hashemayim ve'Yasa'aretz. In the beginning, when God created heaven and earth, that's the first utterance. The sages say that Bereshis is also an utterance. The word Bereshis, even though it doesn't say Vayomer, is also an utterance. What does it say? He created heaven and earth. What does Yitzchak bless Yaakov with? Ve'yitain lecha Elokim mital Hashemayim u'mishma neha'aretz. Like Bereshis bara Elokim as Hashemayim ve'Yasa'aretz. Shu inyan Yehira kia. Which is the idea of the Kachaya Aretz. Uh, he's actually saying not, he's saying Metala Shamayim Shmana Yaretz is not Bedeshit Baralikim. He's saying it's Yehira Kia, the second one, which is the Shamayim. And then there's another utterance, Vitachaya Aretz, let the earth give forth vegetation. But this will also understand something else. Lama, Masha Nemar, this that it says, Viyitin Lacha Elokim, that Elokim should give you. Veloy Nemar Shemavaya doesn't say, Havaya should give you. Generally, when we're the Elokim is the attribute of judgment, and um, when you want to bring blessings, you don't want to knock on the door of judgment. You want to knock on the door of kindness. You want to knock on the door of compassion. That's where blessings come from. So why would we Yitzchak seek out the name of Elokim over the name of I? Now the truth is Yitzchak, his attribute is Elokim, because Yitzchak is Gevura. He's, he's, he's yeah. But still, now he's giving blessings. This is, he's not rebuking his children. He's giving them blessings. It's interesting, by Yaakov, when he calls his children before his pa- passing, you find that he's pretty harsh with him. With Reuven, Shimon, and Levi, at least with the first three, there is a rebuke. Yitzchak, is Gevura, and they're tzaddikim. Isn't that interesting? Something, something interesting. Yaakov has tzaddikim, all his children. Yet, when he calls them over, and, and Yaakov is the attribute of compassion. Yet when he calls his sons to bless them, what comes out, out of him, for, at least for the first three? Some serious stinging rebuke for Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. Finally, by Yehuda, his tone changes and he's giving big blessings. Yitzchak has a son, a wicked son, Esav. And yet when Yitzchak calls, and Yitzchak is gevura, harshness, judgment. And yet when he calls Esav, thinking he's, he calls, ya- he calls Esav to bless him, and then Yaakov comes instead, but he's thinking he's Esav. He showers him with such blessings. Just something to, 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 to realize what, what's going on over here, that there's kind of an exchange of the midos, that Gevura is operating in a more kind fashion, and compassion was operating harshly by Yaakov. But whatever it is, Yitzchak uses, when he gives the blessings, he uses the name of Elohim. It would have. It seems that it would have been better. It would have fit that he should say "Ve'yitan l'cha Havaya, Ve'yitan l'cha Hashem Yudkei Vavke," because Yudkei Vavke is the name of blessings. And the answer is "Kikola Brachos." No, which is part of the question. "Kikola Brachos Nimshach Mishem Havaya." Blessings come from Havaya. Kamashikasuv on Yivarechacha Hashem Metzia. God is going to bless you. It's funny because why am I laughing? Because when I was thinking that blessings come from Yudkei Vavke. The, the Pasuk that came to my head is And I'm glad that that's the Pasuk Yitaka brings. Hashem will bless you from Tzion. So which name does it say? It doesn't say Elokim. It says Or the more, it's, it's funny that here you see that Baruch Hashem, we're plugged in. I'm happy that I'm plugged in. Why? Because I came up with the, the, the I wasn't looking inside. And I came up with the, with the next words now, if I'm looking for a bracha that comes from Yudke Vavke, the more, the more um, 
a probable bracha should have been Yivarecha HaShem Ve'yishmerecha which is the bracha we say every day in the morning with Birchas HaTorah we say Yivarecha HaShem Ve'yishmerecha it's a more common bracha to add to that I'm a Kohen so that's my Pasuk Yivarecha HaShem Ve'yishmerecha yet I did, that didn't come to mind first what came to mind first is a bracha in Tehillim Yivarecha HaShem Metziyayim why? Because that's what, for whatever reason, that's what he put in the Mimer first. He brings two examples. That brachas come from Yudke Vavke and not from Elohim. So therefore, it should have, like you see, Yivarechacha Hashem et Hashem will bless you from Tzion. Yivarechacha Hashem ve'yishmerecha. So the, you see that the, the source of blessing is Hashem. So if so, why is he blessing them over here from the name of Elohim? Elo, elu But based on what we had just said, that the blessings that he's blessing over here are um, connected and correspond to the ten utterances of the Asarim Amorais. Ubasarim Amorais Nem Hashem Elokim. And then the Asarim Amorais, which name of God does it say? The name Elokim. In all of the ten, the ten, the ten utterances of Bereshis, it doesn't mention one time Havaya, Yudke Vavke. Yudke Vavke is mentioned the first time after the story of creation. It says, Eila Toldois. Shamayim v'aretz biyoyim asois Hashem Elokim eretz v'shamayim. That's the first time it mentions Havaya. And the rest of the time it's only Elokim. So, so now, since the blessings of Yitzchak correspond to the Asarim Amarais, and the Asarim Amarais were happening through the name of Elokim, that's why Yitzchak blesses Yaakov also with the name of Elokim. says the name of Elokim. But, as I just mentioned, that even though in Asarim Amoris it doesn't mention Havaya, the Yudke Vavke, the Tetragrammaton, but later it does mention it. After, at the completion of the narration of the initial story of creation, it says, Asois Hashem Elokim, Eretz V'Shamayim, adds Hashem, and the sages derive from here. That initially God wanted to recreate the world only with the name of Elohim, but in the end he decided to partner up with it the name of Yudke Vavke, the Midah of Rachamim. As the sages tell us, Bitchila at the beginning, Allah it arose in God's thoughts to create the world with the name of Elohim, and in the end he saw that the world cannot withstand the harshness of the name of Elohim. So he shitiv imoy midasarachim. That's why it says, Beyoimasois Havaya Elohim. That Yudke Vavke, which is the name of compassion. And Rachamim joined. That Hashem joined the name of with the name of Lukim. Therefore, so also in the Birchais Yitzchak, the Yitzchak blesses Yaakov, we also find that. It also says Shem Avaya. However, not after the blessings, but before the blessings. Once Yitzchak opens up the blessing and he says, there's no Shem Havaya, there's no Yudke Vavke. But before he begins the blessing, he says, look, my son, you have the, you have the scent of Gan Eden. When he speaks about Gan Eden, he says, you have a scent, you, you have the, the scent of the field that, that Havaya blessed, Ashabarchai Havaya, that Yudke Vavke blessed. So he mentions Yudke Vavke there as well. So it's there, Havaya and Elohim, even though the primary blessing is from the name of Elohim. 
himself to understand these blessings. Yesh levar mitchila, or rather yesh lehavim mitchila mitchila. First, we have to understand. First, we need to understand the blessings in the end came to Yaakov, okay? Because Rivka got in and Rivka re, re, rearranged the whole situation. But initially, the blessings were supposed to come to who? To, to Esav. And he wanted to bless Esav. So we need to understand what's the content of these blessings. Mele, if he's blessing the blessings to Yaakov, is one thing. But what does he mean he wants to bless these blessings to Esav? We also need to understand. Sometimes it seems to imply that sometimes it implies that Esav was deceiving Yitzchak, and Yitzchak thought he was a tzaddik. Like it says um, that Yitzchak loved Esav. So Rashi gives two interpretations. What means tzayid bepiv? One explanation is because he hunted for him food. Because he would give uh, um, hunted food, hunted meat, or whatever, bepiv into his mouth, into Yitzhak's mouth. Or the second Pirish Rashi says, Sayyid bepiv, that Esau had a hunting skill in his mouth. He was deceptive in his mouth. He would deceive Yitzhak by asking him questions which tried to show that he was a very righteous person. And, and Yitzhak, you know, bought into it, to Esau's deception. And he would ask him, How do you give, how do you tithe salt? How do you give miser from salt? And of straw. In other words, he was making a, a, like he was making himself like he's super, super, super religious, that he's, he's busy with giving miser even from salt or from straw. And Yitzchak thought that he was very particular in mitzvahs. And that's what it seems to say sometimes. But but in other places it seems to imply the opposite. Yitzchak knew who Esav is. Why? Because when Yitzchak knew that God's name is not fluent in his mouth. Because how did we know that when Yaakov came, Yitzchak became suspicious? We learned it in today's Chumash. Why did Yitzchak become suspicious? Yitzchak was blind. He couldn't see. Why did he become suspicious? Because when he asked Yaakov, how did you come so quickly? Yaakov said, because God uh, uh, made it happen. Hashem helped me out. So Yitzchak says, Esau doesn't mention God. And what's with this that Yaakov is saying, Baruch Hashem, and I came from this. So he, he, that's made him a little bit, uh, a little, a little bit um, concerned or, or, or suspicious. Is this really Esau? But, but how does it work? Because it seems in the beginning of the parasha that Rashi says that Esau had Yitzchak wrapped around his finger in the sense that had Esau, that Yitz, Esau had Yitzhak believing that he's really a tzaddik. So which one is it? Yitzhak said, come over here, let me touch you, let me feel you. Yitzhak said in his heart, It's not the style of Esau to have God's name on his mouth. Yitzhak knew who Esau is. The idea is, it is stated in Zoyar, so he's going to explain that Esav is both. Esav has a side to him that Yitzchak sees as a tzaddik because deep inside Esav's soul there is a point where he is a tzaddik. And then there is Esav's external and, and outer condition as he is down here in this world where he's a Russian. And Yitzchak has kind of double vision on Esav. He sees Yitzchak, he sees Esav in a source 
And over there he sees a very, very powerful soul with incredible spiritual potential. And then he sees Esau down here, which Esau down here was a real bulvan, you say in Yiddish. Well, bulvan is basically a guy who never mentions God's name. Well, bulvan is a guy who commits adultery and murder on the same day, which Esau did when he came home tired and Yaakov sold him the, 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 the chili soup. Right? The, so, and both are true about Esau. And that's what he's saying over here. It says in the Zoyar, the head of Esau, the head of Esau is in the lap of Yitzchak. Now this actually means literally. Because when Esau um, tried to stop Yaakov's children from burying Yaakov in the Ma'ara Samach Pela, Yaakov had made it. Initially there were two spots in Ma'ara Samach Pela for each of, the, of our fathers, Avram and Sarah, Yitzchak and Rivka. When it came to Yaakov, there were also two spots left. But there were two sons. So Esau claimed one. Yaakov claimed one. But Yaakov didn't want to be in a, on a bunk bed. He had enough time when he was with him for 63 years that they slept together on one bunk bed. Now he wanted, he didn't want to stay with him together. He would rather have been with Rachel or Leah or whatever. So he, 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 he bought it off. He made a deal. He gave Esau all of his money, everything that he earned in Lavan's house. Everything. He made a big pile. He said, take it all. And give me the Ma'ara Samach Good, sold it. In the end, however, when, when, when Yaakov died and his children were bringing him to bury him, Esau heard about it and he came to stop them. And they, and the whole story, they went to, um, they went to, uh, they forgot the contract. It was a, they had written it up on a contract. They forgot the contract in Mitzrayim, so they sent Naftali, who was very swift, to run back to Mitzrayim to go get the contract. Meanwhile, Esau had a son, not Esau, um, um, Dun, one of the one of the Dun is one of the Shvatim. Dun's son, his name is Chushan, he was deaf. So he heard a commotion going on, Esau making a, a commotion, and he didn't know really what's going on. He got upset that his grandfather was laying over here disrespectful. And and the and the Levaya, the, the burial was not continuing, the funeral. So he saw Esau, whatever, and he took a sword and he chopped his head off. Esau's head went rolling into Ma'aras Machpelah and it landed in Yitzchak's, in Yitzchak's cave. So that's what it means when the Zohar says, in the physical sense, that Esau's head is in the lap of Yitzchak. But the reason why Esau, for all eternity, is buried in Ma'aras HaMachpelah, his head, the rest of his body was taken to whatever, maybe Sedei uh, Edom, Harseyer, where Esau's family lived. But his head is there, is because Esau is twofold. His head is holy. He has a good head, he has a good beginning, he has a good shoresh. His head is in the right spot. His lower part of his body was not consistent with his head, which is something that tells us a, a lot about many times that we need to think about. Is, uh, is my lower body consistent with my mind? What I know is right. Esau was a person who lived literally a dichotomy. In his brain, he had great, he knew a lot of Kabbalah and Lurchas. He probably could have given a much better share than I give over here. He was a huge Kabbalist and a great, 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 he had great knowledge, Esau. He wasn't Stama guy. None of us then. Um, uh, he didn't, uh, couldn't match up his behavior, his practical behavior with his mind. With his, down from, from below his neck, he was a wicked man, a person completely dominated by his, by his lusts, cravings, and, and instant uh, desires and gratifications. That's who Esau was. But his mind was, was a great mind. And that's what it means. The head of Esau is Be'itzvei de Yitzchak. But a little more a little deeper than that, 
Yitzchak is Gevura. Esav is also Gevura. That's why Esav is born red. In a sense, Esav had much more connection to Yitzchak than Yaakov did. Yaakov is his own breed. And he's, he's, he's Rachamim. He's, 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 he's going to be his own. Like, just like Yitzchak is very different than Avram, Yaakov is pretty much different than Yitzchak. He's his own Indian. But Esav is a continuation from Yitzchak. He's, he's, Yitzchak is Gevura and Esav is Gevura. He's red, full of here. Here is an Indian of Gevura. There's all the aspects of Gevura to him. The problem is he's the extreme Gevuras that once Gevura becomes, gets too, too far, as it goes too, 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 too extreme, it starts becoming unhealthy Gevura. And that's where Esav is. But being that Esav is attached to Yitzchak, so that means there's a certain point in Esav where Esav is connected to holiness. It's only as he evolves, he becomes wicked. Now Yitzchak is the quality of gold over silver. What in general in, the, in, in metallics that there are, silver is chesed, is kindness. Silver looks like water, the color of water. And the word silver in Hebrew, kesef, comes from the word nichsef. Nichsef means to long, love. Nichsef nichsafti, I'm longing. Like a child who's homesick and wants to go home. So it's, it's an idea of love. That's chesed. Um, gold, if you take a look at gold, the, the Pasuk says, Mitzafain zahav ya'asa. The gold comes in from the north. Gold is in the north. Why is gold in the north? Because the north is the left side. When you're facing Mizrach, Mizrach is called the front. Mizrach is Kedma, the front, Kedem. Mayrev is the back, Achor. And south and, and, and north, south is on the right side, and north is on the left side. So Doroin is Chesed. That's why Avram Avinu, who is all Chesed, it says that this entire, when he came to Eretz Yisrael, what does the Pasuk say? He was constantly traveling south. He was going southbound. Haloich v'nasoya hanegba. He was growing in his Chesed. In his Chesed meaning many things. Chesed meaning kindness. Chesed also meaning love, love to people, achnasas orchen, chesed, kindness, and also love to Hashem. That's Avram's avod. Yitzchak is gevurah, he's on the left. Now gold is also on the left. That's why gold looks like fire. When you look at gold, gold is intense. It has a fiery element to it. Silver doesn't have the intensity that gold has. Now gold is more expensive than silver. Its, its value is greater than silver. But there is a maila to gevurah over chesed. Because in terms of love to Hashem, if you love Hashem with the chesed love, then you're loving Hashem with a kind of calm, mellow love. If you're loving Hashem with the Yitzchak, Gevuradigal love, then you're loving Hashem like flaming coals of fire. Yitzchak is a fire. His love to Hashem was intense, with had an intensity. Gevura over chesed. Kesev, ava, that's what he explains now, that silver is love, melashim nichsef nichsafti, I am longing to you, Shumadreges Avram, which is Avram, Shubchenas Chesed, which is Chesed, Gavan Lovan, which is a white color. Water is a white, meaning clear color. Yitzchak Ubchenas Zahav, and Yitzchak is gold. Ubchenas Gevurais Kedoshois, holy Gevurais. Shamailas Azav Ala Kesef, which we know that gold is far more valuable than silver. But what is Esav? When you take gold out of the, when you excavate gold from the ground, there are certain impurities in the gold. It doesn't come just pure. 
And that's what Esav is. Esav is the impurities in Yitzchak. The Esav is susvisa de dahava. He is the dregs that are in the goal. Psoilas hagvuras. He's the psoilas of the gvurah, the Yitzchak. Shem psoilas shaloi. From his psoilas, Yatza Esav comes out Esav. Veresha the Esav. And the head of Esav, the itve the Yitzchak. Since Esav comes from Yitzchak, that means there's a certain point where Esav and Yitzchak touch. At that point, Esav is a tzad. But then he will later evolve into who he is. Ulahavin, to understand this a little better, in Yenresha, what does it mean, the head? So he's going to explain this idea, this, what does this mean, that Esav has a good head? What does this mean? So we find an interesting thing. We find that the Mishkan, when we built the Mishkan, the Mishkan was made up of ten, ten curtains. Meaning the, the cover of the Mishkan, the tapestry, that went on top of the Mishkan, that served as the roof of the Mishkan, it was one piece, but it was first initially made up of ten pieces. Ten strips of carpet. They made one, they made another, they made ten of them, and then they attached five and five separately, they sewed them together. Then they took one attachment and the other attachment, and they put loops and hooks, and they hooked it together, and it became one long cover of the Mishkan. Okay? That's the Uriah Mishkan. It was made up of ten. Now on top of that, there was another rug, another tapestry for a cup. The upper one was made out of goat's hair. This one you couldn't see from the inside. You could only see from the outside. It's, it's called the Uriah's Izim. It's called also the Ohel, the tent that goes on top. Now the difference between the lower one, and the, that one was also made up of, te- of, 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 of individual separate pieces of, of carpet, so to speak, that are later, later attached. However, the difference between the one above and the one below is that the one below was made up of 10 pieces, the one above it was made up of 11 pieces. The way they did it was they attached five, and they made another attachment of six, and then they attached the, the attachment of five to the attachment of six, and it also became one. So right away we see something interesting, something to do with the makifim. Now these, these were covers of the Mishkan, so they have to do with the makif. Makif is the light that sits on top. An or panimi is an indwelling light, and or makif is a makif, is an encompassing light, something that's going around, a surrounding light. So you see there's two levels. There is a level of 10, and then there is 11. And on the mishkan, which means on the bottom cover, there was another one made up of 11. Easy. So there you see it's the number 11. Now, now Esau, Let's be very clear. Esav is connected to goats. Esav is connected to goats, to a goat. Where do you see Esav being connected to goat? Two things in this parish. Number one, it says, in a Esav ish sa'ir. Esav was a sa'ir man. Sa'ir means here. But sa'ir also means a goat. Like we brought today, today's Rosh Chodesh. They brought a special sa'ir as a carbon. Karben Rosh is a sire, is a goat. Esav is a ish sire. Another thing, when Rivka wants to, wants, to, wants to dress up Yaakov to be like Esav, she takes goats and she puts goat's hair around him. Around his neck, she puts goat's hair. Why a goat? Obviously, this is a good masquerade, but obviously understand that if, it, if you, she dressed him up just physically and she didn't dress him up spiritually, in Yitzchak would have sensed his energy in one second. 
Yitzchak is a Baal Ruach HaKodesh. Yitzchak can snap you up in one second. You walk into the door. He knows everything you've done, everything you will do. He knows your whole life. He knows your Shoresh HaNeshama, each Gilgal and where you were plugged into other Marishal. So he knows everything about you. The Belzer Rebbe once said that to take a Kvittal for a Rebbe, a true Rebbe, I'm not saying every Rebbe lived today's days is that way. I have to make a disclaimer. But a real Tzaddik, especially the Tzaddikim of the past, who when you went and gave them a note, a kvittel, and they looked at the kvittel, he says, you're not allowed to read a kvittel unless you're able to know the person's neshama in all the gilgulim from where they were, and where this neshama is mushrash and other marishas neshama. When you know that, you can help a person out in that sense and, and read a note which you give to a tzaddik, a kvittel. Yitzchak was definitely one of those people. So Yitzchak can, can summarize the person that walks in. If Rivka is dressing him up, she can't just dress him up physically. Oh, she make him look hairy. She had to actually put him on, put him, give him the energy of Esav. So Esav is connected to goats. And Esav is, um, that's why he's going to do a compare. When he wants to explain Esav, when he wants to explain Esav, he's going to do a comparison to what? To the second urea that was made up of what? Of goats here. So Yaakov is the lower one, the ten, and Esau is the, is the goat. Now, another interesting thing is, Bechlal goats is always brought for a chatas. You realize? When they bring a chatas, it's usually a goat. Not always, but almost, it can, it can, it, 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 sometimes it can be a sheep also, but it's almost all the time it has to be dafka a goat. Why? Because goats are, are associated with klipa. Do you know that when, um, when you have pictures of like demons with horns, but what is the picture is always, is always goats with the horns, always goats is associated with the other side. Sheep is associated with tzaddikim, and goats is, goats is associated with the side of darkness. It's the way it is. Yeah, the goat, Zazel was a goat, but it's, this, is, this is the, uh, the goat is an Indian of Klippa. What? No, sheep. It's a sheep, not a goat. Um, now, there's another place where we find the number 11. So, for, so what do you see? In the goat's world, there is 11. Because the, the urea is the, the, the tapestry that was made out of goats here, is 11. Now, you also find that the, um, in the Beis Amikdash, when they offered the Ketores, it was made out of 11 spices. They also find the number 11. Samim, yeah. Samim 11 Samanim. Hoyuba were there in the Ketores. There's 11, 11, 11 spices. And the idea is that the Ketores comes to make a tikkun in the world of Klippa. Because the Ketores is mainly the avoda of tshuva, repentance. Repentance from negative things. That's why it's associated with the number 11. And the Kohen Gadol goes in Yom Kippur to get atonement for the Jewish people. He brings Ketores. And that's what... Shehem Keneged, why? Because the Zohar says that just like in Kedusha there is 10 Sefirot, in Kalipa there is 11. They're called 11 impure crowns. 11 crowns of impurity. Shehem Keneged Yud Alev Kisrin Din there's 11 crowns of impurity. In the moment, it's not understood. 
Shari be Kedusha, Enakim Esas Spheres. In Kedusha, it's only ten. As it says in Tkune Zoyer, that you are the one who has caused to emerge, to bring forth ten Tikunim. So it also says in Sefi Yitzira, there are ten Spheroids, ten and not nine, ten and not eleven. Shem Eser Dafka. It has to be Dafka 10. Vizesha Betoira Nimtza Hakol. That's why in Torah we always find that everything is 10. There is 10 utterances that God created the world. There's 10 Dibros. Saras Dibros. Hakol Achesh Benes. Asara Mamorois. Asara Sadibros. Asara Asara Akaf. When they brought for the Chanukas Ha Nesim, when they made the Mishkan. And, the, and they brought uh, Karbanais, the Nesim, the, the heads of the tribes, so they brought a gold, a gold spoon. And it says it weighed 10. And the Pasuk emphasized, Asara, Asara, 10. Shem Kenegad Esos It corresponds to the 10 Sephiros. Why by Ketores, out of all things, we make it 11, which is associated with the other side? If 11 is a, no, is a number that's associated with the other side, Ketores is an avoidah of Kedusha. So why should we make it 11? Falama big Ketores, not only Ketores, and Yeriyos Izim. The Yeriyos that are going on the Mishkan, where Hashem is dwelling, you also have the number 11, which is not a kosher, which is, seems to be a negative number. Hem Achadasar, which is 11. Achein Yenhu, Dehinei Be'isib It says in Tekune Zoyar, You are one, and you are not. He's not going to explain why Klippa is associated with the number 11. And this is an interesting idea. And that is when, the, when Hashem emanates 10 sefirot, 10 attributes. But Hashem is not part of those sefirot. As it says, you're one, you're not included in that count. Yeah. What does it mean? He's not, he, he, with him, you can't define him in any number, even to even talk about anything. A cheshben is in the world of percentages. You say one to a thousand, and you can measure its value. What's the value of one to a thousand? It's, it's a thousandth of it, right? And then, but then, and what's the measure of a thousand to a thousand thousand to a million? It's the same percent, like one to a thousand. This is all within the context of a cheshbon of a calculation. When we're speaking about God, He's not inside any cheshbon at all. There's no erech to Him. There's no comparison to Him at all. And you are the one who causes to emerge ten tikkunim. It says in Zohar. Hivo ba'avodes hakodesh chelik alef perik dalet brought in the book avodes hakodesh shuhu inon v'inon hu shekulachad. Now what? Here's the thing: even though God is not counted in the sefirot, and He can't even count, but when He emanates the attributes, He unifies with the attributes to the point that He is them and they are He. We can't separate in any way the attributes from Hashem. Even though they are totally, totally not him, but then they are totally him. The sphere of the sphere of the attribute.
But it's not understood. If God is one with them, then there should be 11. Why are they 10? More, no, he's asking another question. If God is one, if God is with them, there should be one. No, no, I'm not asking why it's 11. No. I'm asking, the question, that was a mistake. The question that he's asking is that really, how could they be 10? If they're him and he is singular and, and one, how can he be them and they be him and they be 10 and he be one? If he's one, means he's indivisible. You can't break him into pieces. They're 10. So how can there be, how can there be an Indian of 10 if they're totally unified with him? But when everything is in him, that it's only him. It's only oneness. So here's the thing, there's a big difference. The spheros are conscious. That's a difference. He's everything and everything is him. But see, but the creations are created in a manner that they should feel themselves apart from him. And therefore, there is, there is you can count. The, every, every creation, in order by the very definition that it should be a creation, means it, even though it is, it is nothing but God and God is in it, in its perception, it's not that way. In its perception, I am me, and you are you, and the table is the table, and the chair is the chair, and everything is an entity on its own. That's why we can have many. And this is called pirud, separation. But the spirits, the attributes, they're not in a state of pirud. They're in a state of oneness. They're totally unified. They have no sense of self, of being apart from him. If that, how do they tend? They should be just one. That's his question. Because he is one. And they're one with, again, he's quoting the Zohar. The Zohar says, Shohu inun, that he is them, the inun who, and, and, and they are him. If therefore, how can they be ten? The orin sof is one, omiyuch. Ah, the inun who. The orin sof himself is limitless, without an end. Like it says, as we said earlier, you are one and you can't calculate you. But in order for him to, to become a source for worlds that are finite, so then he needed to contract himself that he should become a source for worlds that are limited. This is the power of the Orin Soif. To contract himself. That he should be a source for Gavul. Because he is a omnipotent being and he can do whatever he wants. And you are the perfection of everything. So just like God is without any definition. He's boundless without any definition. He's able to contract himself to define himself in any definition if he wants to. He can be a source for gavul, for limitation. This tzimtzum, where God, so to speak, is adjusting and acclimating his otherwise indefinitive and unlimited light to become a source for a finite creation, that 
process is the Eser Sefirot, the ten attributes. From them, from these attributes, where Hashem kind of is appearing in ten different modes, so to speak, this kind of gives him some kind of definition to his otherwise undefined energy so that the worlds that he will be cre- create will have definition and, and limitation. So that limited world should emerge from him in the future. Since they are the source to the worlds, which the worlds are set up to be in one huge, one huge human being. The worlds are all compiled as a human. And in a human being, there's ten elements. Gimel mochen, three intellectual faculties. Zayim midos and seven emotional. Lekach gam sharshon That's why also their source and their their root and their source. Nikra gam kem chenas adam is also called man. Tomashakasav, like it says, va'alakisei to muskamara adam. That Yecheskel sees an image of a man on the on the throne. So this is the idea of the ten sephiris. Nevertheless, he is them, the inon who, because in truth, it's really one. In other words, it's not like he emanated entities and these entities are really something. It's nothing other than him contracting himself and him emerging, right? So they can really, because and the reason why there can be a chesed or there can be a gavura or there can be this image or that image is because of his ain't self, because he's without any limitation. So you can't limit him even in this that he should be limit, even in this that he should be limitless, you can't limit him. Because if you say that he's just limitless, then that itself is a limitation. Because he cannot then create finite worlds. Because he's too big and too powerful and too endless and too... Right? So therefore he has to be able to... for As part of his infinite abilities, he has to also have the ability to make himself small. In other words, because he's infinitely big, he has to be able to have the ability to make himself infinitely small. Because if he would not be able to make himself infinitely small, that would prove that he's not infinitely big. See what I'm saying? That, would, that itself would be a limitation. So therefore, the very notion of him, of him being... So let's take this in the next step. So that would mean something like this. The very notion for God being able to be in, in multiple form, which is the idea of esospheres, 10, that too is because of his absolute oneness, and therefore there's nothing that's outside of him. So therefore they're really only him, but yet they're 10. Now that's called Hashem's name. The names are the when he emanates himself into various different things. into the spheres. Was him and his name. Shmoy, what's his name? the power. That there isn't the Oren Soif, the Hisamtsein, 
to contract. We turn over the page. To become a source for worlds that are, that are limited. That's why there's ten shemois. Even though there's only seven names of God that are not erasable. There's really ten names. Which they are the ten spheres. Now, so just like there are ten holy spheres, the same is also on the other side, on the unholy side. There is this same idea of these spheres, like a power of love, but it's a corrupted power of love. A power of discipline, but it's a corrupted discipline. And so on and so forth. There is a negative love. And the Torah says, do not follow your heart's desires or your eyes. That you're, that you're being led astray by them. There's also Chachma on the other side. There are brilliant people that scheme all day and come up with all kinds of of, of ways to build bombs and to cause who knows what, right? So these are wicked people. That's a wicked chachma. It's a wicked intelligence. V'chein betainog, and the same is also in pleasure. Yeshgam came b'lo'umazeh, also on the other side. Tainog midvarim asurim. There are forbidden pleasures. See, there's love. There is chachma. But when he says pleasure, he means even keser, because pleasure is keser. Even keser there is in the in the unholy. This is the idea of the fat, chelev. Chelev is tainuk, pleasure. But it's the wrong type of pleasure. That's why if someone eats chelev, chelev is fat from an animal that is forbidden. Why is the punishment for eating chelev kares, because kares is the same word as keser. See something of over here? He's saying like this: keser the kedusha is the is the is the source of all pleasure. Makor We spoke about it many times. That keser is ratzon. The external part of keser, keser is will, and the internal part of of keser is tainuk pleasure. As it is in the other side. Unholy pleasure, that's keser de klipa. It's the world of unholy pleasure. So it's the keser of klipa. So when a person indulges in the keser of klipa, then their chayev, God forbid, kares, kares means um, incision, to be cut off. Why? Because kares is the same letters as keser. It's just because it's disconnecting from the, in the deepest place. Um, and Yitzchak, when Yitzchak gives a blessing to Yaakov, he says, he says, Mishmane, doesn't say Mechelev Oretz, he says Mishmane. Now, Chelev and Shuman are very close to each other. When you learn in Halacha, you find out that. Chelev is forbidden. We're not allowed to eat chelev. But shuman is permitted. Shuman is a different type of fat than the animal that's kosher. 
but Chaylev is not. Yitzchak blesses him mishmane ha'aretz. Shahamem maktim inyan. The mem mishmane makes it smaller, not all the fat. It doesn't tell him the fat of the earth from the fat of the earth, meaning only kosher pleasure, not non-kosher pleasure. He gives it to Yaakov. Only part of it. Shuman is also pleasure. That's pleasure from what is kosher. Not all fats. That's pleasure from the forbidden. Only pleasure from what is kosher. Okay. Ah, however, what's the difference? So Klippa also has these ten powers. But what's the difference? Ach, Bekedusha hem Eser, and Kedusha there are ten. Veloit, Veloit Teisha, not nine. Eser, Veloit Achadosar. They are ten and not eleven. Ube Klippa, and by Klippa, and Yud Aleph, Samamone Akatoris. In Klippa, there are eleven because they are the eleven spices. What does that mean? The Indian and the idea is as follows. When, when, when the Chayus, when the godly flow comes into Kedusha, in Exhibit says, in the realms of holy, the recipients, the holy entities, who are receiving the flow of energy that's flowing inside of them, acknowledge, recognize the energy who it is, it's coming from Hashem. And as a result of that, they surrender themselves to that power. To do, to be bottled, which means to live and to function in accordance to God's will and accordance to God's desire. So they're nullified to their energy. They're nullified to the godly power that flows in them. What happens as a result of that? Since they're bottled, to the oil that flows in them, when, when something is bottled, when a keli is bottled to the oil, when a vessel is bottled to the, to the energy, then the energy is able to be unified completely with the vessel. Just like when a, a limb is healthy, then the limb is surrendered to the soul. Then the soul is able to fully permeate the limb. And then you have a healthy body. When a limb is not healthy, which means there's something broken in the limb, something wrong with the arteries, with the whatever, there's a blood clot, there's something there that's, which causes the limb not to be able to be nullified and surrendered to the soul that's in it. So then the soul cannot unify with the limb. Then the limb becomes something that becomes separate for itself. That's when you start feeling the limb the limb starts telling you that it exists. I just came back today, this week, I had, I had a, my car, we finished paying the bank for the car, Baruch Hashem. So we have to pay the bank, every month we have to pay the bank. But as soon as you stop finishing paying the bank, you have to start paying the mechanic. As long as you're paying the bank, you don't have to pay the mechanic. But now that the, the bank payments are over, we start paying the mechanic. So this week, uh, the alternator went. Okay, so we had to switch the alternator, the battery alternator. Then today I had to take the car back into the shop, and it was the power steering pump. The power steering pump went. Okay. So now when I was driving up here just before, 
I was thinking, oh, I hope I don't have to find out all the different parts that I don't even know exist in the car. I said, okay, <laughs> you know, as long as you don't know what's inside the kishkes, as long as you don't know what's, what's inside the kishkes of your car, you're okay. Once you start finding out about all the parts and all the pieces, because they start telling you they exist by making noises, they're different things, then, then you have a problem. And the same is in the body. As long as you don't know that you have what's going on, what's inside, you're perfectly fine. Once you start finding out because the thing becomes loud and noisy and says, I'm here, oh, it's a problem. Why is it saying it's here? Because it's not surrendered to the general life force. When the limbs are surrendered, they're quiet, they're silent, they're all bustle. They don't notice, them. they don't draw attention to themselves. And you have a healthy body. Kedusha is nullified to God. They're surrendered. In Kedusha, it's all silent. Everything, there's no scratchy noises. Everything is flowing because everything is, there's no resistance. Everything is doing its God's will. In Klippa, the godly flow that they're also receiving from Hashem. Without Hashem's life, they can't. But because they're not bottled to the light, then the light of God is not unified with them. Since he's not unified with them, he remains hovering above them. He creates them, but he doesn't become part of them. He remains above them. Ah, that's why there is 11. Why is there 11? They also only have 10 sephiroth. But the, the reason there's 11 is because the power that's in them is not part of them. So it remain, the godly power, so that remains the 11th one. The 11th one is the divinity that's in them that has not become part of them. In Kedusha, we don't count it. Because as we said earlier, he is them and they are him. The ten spheros are one with him and he is them. So therefore he doesn't, he doesn't have to become, he doesn't remain aloof from them because he's perfectly comfortable in joining them. So he becomes totally part of them. But in Klippa, the godly life, they're not catering for it. So what happens, the godly power that's, that's devoted to sustaining them remains by them, but it remains above them. That's why you count 11. 11, 11, uh, 11 uh, 10 powers plus one extra comes out that it's not all 11 that are evil. Only 10 of them are evil. And one of them is what? Really kosher. That's why in the Sammanim of the Ketores, one of the Sammanim, the 11th one, is called Levona Zaka. Levona means white, Zaka means pure. That's the pure godliness that's in the Klippa. All the other ones are Klippa. This is the Levona, this is the pure, the pure spark that's not unified with them. As he says now, let's read it inside. Uh, in Kedusha it says, it's, The heavenly hosts bow down to you. They apprehend, they understand the life portion. That is drawn upon them from God's holiness. The Klippas, they rise themselves up like an eagle with chutzpah. The chayus that's in them is not the bottle, so it remains in a state of golos. Even though it is drawn upon them chayus, life force from holiness, they're not nullified to their life source. On the contrary, they raise themselves up like an eagle. Two things happen. 
First of all, they're not surrendered to their energy. Since they're not surrendered to their energy, the energy enters in them, and instead of them being surrendered to the energy, the energy gets trapped in them. That's the idea of Golos HaShechina. The Shechina is giving life to the forces of Klippa, but the Shechina is not in control. They're in control. They're, they're, doing, they're, they're forcing the Shechina's energy to, to do things the Shechina does not want to do. So in Kedusha, the Nivra, the creation, the created being, is bottled to the Chayos. In other words, the body is bottled to the soul. In Klippa, the soul is bottled to the guf, to the body. The body calls the shots, not the soul. When I say soul, I mean the Hashem is the soul, and they are the body. In Kedusha, the, any entity of Kedusha are bottled to their, to their neshama, that's Hashem. In Klippa, it's not that. Okay, that's number one. But that's still not a reason why there should be 11. That's the reason where there should only be, should, be, should really be only 10 bodies without a soul. Because the godly power that's inside of them is, a, is completely swallowed up in them, con- eaten up by them, and does, doesn't have any visit. But, he's asking a question. He's now going to bring you, this, and this will explain why there has to be an 11th. So then how are they sustained? If they take the divine energy that's in them and corrupt it, it make it like a slave to them, then it's disconnected then that divine energy, in a sense, stops being divine because it becomes part of them. So if it stops being divine, then how are they, how are they living? They have to live off divinity. If every bit of chayas that comes inside of them becomes part of them, so once it becomes part of them, it becomes part of their cor- corrupted reality. If it's part of the corrupted reality, it can't, that, that corrupted reality can't sustain, it, can't sustain itself. So it needs a point of godly power to sustain it. But the godliness that's in them is swallowed in them. So what happens? How do they sustain themselves? Ma'akdusha from holiness. Because the chayas gets swallowed up in them. That's why there is an 11th one. Levoina is from the 10th Samanim of the Ketores. There's one called Levoina. That's in the 11th Samanim. This is a light that encompasses them from above. It's not swallowed in them. There's certain godliness that becomes absorbed and corrupted by them, part of them. Then there is a lakus that remains separated from them. Hashem remains aloof, removed from them. This is called pure levaina. When the Jewish people went into, when the maragler, when the spies went into... Um, went to Eretz Yisrael to spy, they saw the huge giants and they got very scared. They came back and they told the Jewish people to report. The Jewish people were terrified. They said, we don't want to go. Kalev and Yeshua got up and Kalev said, we have nothing to fear. And he said, why? Kisar tzilam me'alei their shadow went away from them. What did he mean by that? Their shadow went away from them? He means exactly this. He says, what's really giving them life? This or makif, this, this power that's in, that's not inside of them, it's above them, that they don't even know, but it's there, it's backing them, that's behind them. He said it departed from them. Now, these giants and whoever they are, they just have to go like this, walk up and go like this, and they'll fall. There's nothing to them, there's no power there. Because their entire power is from this market. It's called, all right? Um, Zako, now take a look at the word Zako. 
He says, Levoina Zakos. First of all, Levoina means it's white, showing on something that is not tainted by them. It's not murky, it's not dirty, it's still clean, pure. That's Levoina, whiteness. But in addition to that, it's called Zaka, pure. Zaka Hubchenas Chav Zayin, 27. Oisiyos, there's 27 letters. There's 22 letters, but if you count the five, there are five double letters. Menatzbach, five double letters, so it's 27. Dahainu, Shehem, Sheyesh Pchenas Oisiyos, Shehem Machayom. There are letters that give them life. Rak Bepchenas Makif. But it's only giving them life from above. Similar to it's interesting that he brings this idea. I'm not exactly sure what he wants with this Indian. Hashbaz Hashemus was something that was done by um, certain Kabbalists. Or sometimes actually it was done in a corrupted way by corrupted people. Is people are manipulating certain names of God to do things. What, why is he applying that over here? Maybe to say that you can, you can, you can know this godly entity but it remains makif above you. Because you, you, these people that were doing it were not people who really identified with these names of God and lived it, connected to it. They kind of were able to use... Could be. I'm not sure that, if that's what he wants. I'm not, I'm not sure. And because this oil is makif upon them from above, they are haughty. They feel power. They feel such power. And that's why they are so haughty and they're so like, they think they're so powerful and they're so strong and they're so, because, and, and to think, it, the chayos, the, their energy is makif, is above them. So that's what makes them also feel so high. So, and this levoina is what connects yud spheris, the kedusha, the ten spheris of holiness, Leheir to give illumination leesesfiras de mesavusa to the ten sefirot of klipa. In other words, from the ten spheres of kedusha comes energy through the levaina. The levaina is the medium. It's almost like a klipas noiga. It's this. It's this medium thing. It takes the or makif and it takes and gives chayas to the klipa. Vuhudeisha de esav. That's called the head of esav. The head of esav is the makif energy. That's still touching Kedusha. It's still pure. It's still good. It's the makif from above. Now that's holy. That's mamish sitting in Yitzchak's lap. As we said earlier, Esau's head is on Yitzchak's lap. That's why, because Esau has a holy makif, the makif of Esau and its source, Esau asks, he really does ask a question. When Esav asked the question, how do you give Meiser on salt? He wasn't just being a liar. At that moment, he was connecting within himself to this. In other words, it, sometimes we feel that we have a better self that emerges like Amr Shashan. 
on Yom Kippur or another time. It's called, let's say, my better self. There's my regular self and there's my better self. And on these special times of the year, my better self comes in. Now, where is that better self all, along, all year long? I don't know where it is. Now, is that a total fraud? It's not true. It, it's not a fraud. It's not a lie. We do have a better self. We have a makif. And the makifim are really holy and really godly and really special. When it comes to Shoshana, our bodies rise up higher to tap into the makif energy, to the place in us. The problem is that Esau, um, um, that's all that he had, was that better self, which he sometimes, from that makif place, he asked such questions. Well, how do you give my servant? But it wasn't something that he, that he really lived with on his regular day-to-day basis. He wasn't. But as he really is in his, his internal, his internalized self, who he really is, the, the name of God is not in his mouth. And that's why we, this resolves the question. How did Yitzhak, sometimes it says that Esau was so religious and so observant and so meticulous in mitzvahs, and other times it seems to be that Yitzhak says, he doesn't, seem to, he doesn't mention God's name. Now, if the 11 Samanim of the Ketores, as we said earlier, are Klippa, so why are we using it at the base of Midrash? The spices. The answer is, it's not Klippa. The 11 spices are coming to fix the 11 powers of Klippa. So through the Samanim of Ketores that we bring in the Beis HaMikdash, we do a birur, we do a fixing. And through this that we do a birur. Okay. We need to understand. Since the Klippas are internally bad, and avoid this to fix them. Why were they created in the first place? It would have been better not to create them at all. We wouldn't have to purify them and clean them. Similar to that, what the say, we have to understand what the sages say. The malachim asked for the Torah. And they said, "Tenu hoyt chal give you glory in heaven." The heishev lahem, and the answer that was given to them was, "Klom yeitzahara yesh penechem." Do you have a yeitzahara? We can't give you the Torah because you don't have a yeitzahara. Shemash pamazad. This implies she ikar hatayra ukedei lavarer as a yeitzahara dafka. That the main Torah is to fix the yeitzahara. Vegam zein amuven lamanimra yeitzahara. Why was the yeitzahara created in the first place? That you should have to fix him. And we say that this is so pivotal, this is such an important thing, that God didn't give the, the, the Torah to the Malachim because they don't have a Yetzirah to fix. And we do. So why create a mess so that we should clean it up? Don't make a mess to begin with. The idea is, that this Leviyasan you created to be entertained by it. The sages say, Gimel Shas Rishonis, the first three hours of the day, Hakadosh Baruch Hu Yoshei Va'Oisik B'Tayra. Hashem sits and studies Torah three hours of the day. Shniyos, the second three hours of the day, Yoshei V'Don. He sits and he judges the world. This is Hashem's schedule. 
Shlishis, the, the next third of the day, the next three hours, Yoshev is on. He sits and feeds the world, feeds his creation. Revius, what does Hashem do in the last three hours of the day? A day has 12 hours, so the last three hours of the day? Yoshev umesachek em leviyasem. He plays with the leviyasem. Now go understand this Gemara. Shezau bizman tefila samincha. Which this is the time, mincha time is the last three hours of the day. Mincha time. That's Yitzchak. Yitzchak means to play. Yitzchak means to laugh. Schok, laughter. Ah, so Yitzchak has. Yitzchak is a source of mincha, that's right. The Yitzchak tikin tefila samincha. And Yitzchak is mesakin tefila samincha. The Yashlohavan, we need to understand, mao inyana schok, what's this laughter? Shemesachik that Hashem plays with the Leviyos. The idea is exactly this. The tzchoik, the laughter, comes from the conversion of darkness, klipa, anything negative to light. That's the idea. We said before, we have the, we have the, we have the whole ace of world. We have the 11 powers of crowns of klipa. We have these forces that need a tikkun. But why were they created in the first place? Well, that's the entertainment. The entertainment is that the laughter will come from the challenge, from the opposite, from... Like the Pasik says, Tzchoik Asali Elokim. The Dafka through the name of Elokim, which the name of Elokim is the name that creates all the concealments and all the blockages and eventually all the klipa and all the darkness. And what does that all lead to? To Tzchoik, to a great laughter. The name of Elokim is a block. That Elokim covers Avaya. It conceals on the revelation of the name Havaya. It conceals so much on, the, the, on Havaya that it makes the world appear that it is something unto itself. Which we explain means other gods. That's what the world feels itself like another god. Nevertheless, the main laughter and the main pleasure. If there wouldn't be the name of Elohim, and there wouldn't be concealments, and there would just be one continuum of light and of godly consciousness and awareness, and everybody would, if we would be living from day one of the days of Mashiach, there wouldn't be any laughter and there wouldn't be any pleasure. The pleasure and the laughter comes after what? The world becomes separated. What the name of Elohim causes it to become. And disconnected. And yet, when the yesh, when we, who have such a strong sense of self, such a strong sense of being, unrelated to God, yet, when we ourselves surrender ourselves against our natural feeling to do what Hashem wants, not what our ego tells us to do, which our natural sense is. That is called bitl hayesh la'ayah, that the yesh becomes bottle to ayah. And that brings laughter, va'atainog and pleasure. Because this is unexpected. When Hashem creates something to be so dark, and you wouldn't you, you wouldn't expect that from that dark thing should 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 come to recognize its its source its creator. That's something that's a yesh should be bottle la'ayin. That's a chiddush. 
That's new. That's really that's really that's really entertaining, Tasha. Why? Because the way things work from above is that things were created to Hashem created the world from ayin to yesh, from nothing to something. What something over here means something that feels itself, something that recognizes itself, something that feels apart. Hashem created the world to work from a state of bittel to a state of semi-bittel to a state of hardly bittel to a state of no bittel to a state of rebellion to a state of complete denial. That's how Hashem created the world. Things evolve from closer to farther away to more disconnected. But everything flows only in one direction. For something to flow the other direction like for salmon to go upstream, that's a chiddush. It's going against the tide. It's, so it says in the Gemara that from heaven they give, they never take back. That means things don't work their way back. Things are only going in one direction. Things are only falling, they're not going up. When we can turn the tide and take something from a fallen state and reconnect it above, that causes a big simcha and a laughter above. Because it's amusing. It's against the way the whole system works. Everything is... Right? because from heaven they give they don't take this is, a, this is taken a phrase from the Gemara where the Gemara says by when he when he davened that he, they were poor him and his wife and they gave him a leg from heaven and then they and they were so happy it was a golden leg from a table and they were they were going to be rich from this leg and then they had a dream and when they saw themselves sitting in Gan Eden and they're only sitting by a table of three legs instead of four legs. Everybody had four legs or two legs, three legs, I don't remember what it was. And when they realized that, they realized that they're, even though they're having this gold leg now, but it's taken away from what they're going to have in the future. So they wanted to return it. So they davened, and a hand came down and took it back. So they said, the Gemara says, the second miracle is much greater than the first miracle. Because heaven is always giving. That, that's what heaven does. But to take back, that, that Shemayim doesn't do. So that's a bigger miracle. So that's that, but what is the deeper meaning of that? From heaven, the system, the way things work, is that we go from ayin to yesh, from spiritual to physical, from, from refined to coarse. That's the way things all flow, from elegance to density and thickness and coarseness. But the other way around, to take something that's coarse and make it elegant and refined and nullified and more connected and deeper connected, until it's unified with its source. That's a big chiddush. That's not a new thing. But they don't take back. That doesn't happen. This is a new thing. And we're the only ones that can do that. Like the Baal Shem Tov says, God gives Yidin Gashmias, and Yidin make from the Gashmias Ruchnias. Hashem makes from Ruchnias Gashmias, and we make from Gashmias Ruchnias. Because we take a physical thing and we turn it into tefillin. We take a physical object, we turn it into tzitzis. We take a physical object, we turn it into another mitzvah. Right? So, this is causes laughter. But without the name of Elohim, then nothing would ever have become disconnected in the first place. And for that's the same reason also why God created the 11 forces of Klippa. To serve as a barrier, as a block, as a as a darkness, as a as a as a as a, as a uh, force of of of, of um, seduction or whatever that pulls us into the wrong thing, and we have to fight that. 
And eventually, when we overcome it, it's great simcha. Like we see below, like we see also in our world. We see that people are entertained when we see something that is unusual. When something is new, when unexpected, that causes like when they do these contests in front of kings. It's interesting when you have a, a, a they have these, 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 uh, these fights, whether it's gladiator fights or they have bull fights or they have uh, a lion fighting a, a tiger or things like that. That causes laughter. And that's why, and also because the advantage of light comes from darkness. When the other side is subdued, the glory of God rises in all worlds. This is the meaning. What does Hashem do the last four hours of the day? He plays with the Leviyasan. What does that mean? Hashem gets pleasure from all the all, all day long he's busy giving. And then he sits back and he enjoys all the all the moments of bittal. Everything we did to take something from our world and reattach it to God. He, create, he creates things and he separates it from him. That's when he creates things. He makes things feel separated from him. When we take something and plug it back in, that's called Leviyasan. Because Levi means attached. Levi means, because it says when Yaakov, when, his, when Levi was born, he says, Apam love." Leah says, my husband will walk next to me, will be attached to me. When we reattach what God separated, that's called Leviyasa. That's what it means when it says that Hashem plays with the Leviyasa. It doesn't mean that Hashem goes scuba diving and, and swims with a dolphin in the whale. It means that Hashem is being entertained at the end of the day from all the mitzvahs we've done throughout them. When we come to Mincha time, so from your tefillin, every time you said no to your Yetzirah, every time you get tzedakah, every time you went to shul when you didn't want to go to shul, you overcame laziness, whatever it is, you gave from yourself and you're mevatalit, that's the tainuk that Hashem has in the last three hours of the day, because that's kind of at the end of the day. He's, he's collecting all the everything that has been going on in the last twenty-four hours. The <laughs> It says, My husband will be attached to me. To who? To the woman. So the woman is the Jewish people. God is the man. My husband will be attached to me means Hashem and the, and the Jewish people will be attached to each other. So that's the Indian of Leviyasan. Every moment of attachment that we attach ourselves to Him, through our bittel, from below up, and then from Hashem to us. When we have a bitl to ayim from below, then there is a laughter from above. That's the idea that the last three hours, Hashem plays with the Leviyasan. Kibeshos Rishaynis Oisik Betayra. Vizan Shu Hakol Hamshacham Omaila Lamata. That's what I was saying earlier. The first hours, the first not 
nine hours. He's studying Torah, he's, he's judging the world, he's feeding the world. That's all what he is giving to the world. The last three hours is Momatala things what we're giving back. This what the sages say, like Galu Yisrael, that Yidden went to Galus. The only reason we went to exile, it says, is that we should increase converts. It's not understood. In the days of the Rebbe Marash, he says, there were not so many Gerim. Very few Gerim. What's such a big mile of converts? But the Amr Azal in a sense to say, just say, Kasha Gerim Yisrael, that the Gerim are, are difficult for the Jewish people. It's like something that has attached itself, that causes problems. So we're not that into proselytizing and bringing Gerim. When we say Gerim, we mean more than just converts. We mean everything that we take from a state of disconnect and we attach it, that's called a ger. Because we're taking something from the world and connecting it to Aluk, to Kedusha. So it can be anything. Anything is a ger. Anything, any object, any idea, any language, any, any, any anything. Anything from the world that we convert back to Kedusha or jo- join, it's called a gerim. Sparks of souls that have fallen down. And when we refine it, when it's Allah, look at Dusha, they're elevated to holiness. That's called a ger. Like a ger, he comes from a distant place. He was far from holiness. Then he became close. The sparks of holiness that has fallen down. They were far from holiness. When we refine them, from the klipas, they're called klipa. So when we're mevare nitzutzei in the shamas from klipa davka, the greatest lights come davka from when we take something far and dark and bring it to kedusha. There's nothing in the world that increases energy of Kedusha in the world like when we take something that is dark and bring it close when we find a Jew that has been living in a state of disconnect and we help him do a mitzvah the biggest thing. when we take anything in the world and use it for Kedusha much more than when we're just when we're just busy with inyanim that are in the inside when we're just busy with inyanim, okay, that also increases but it's not doesn't come close to when we're bringing things from the outside more light. Now this answers the earlier question. Why did Hashem have to create the klipos, the darkness, the forces, the shells? And then we'll have to levad it and we'll have to fix them. It would have been far better. Don't create a yetzahara. Don't create a klipa. And the answer is, will be answered well. Through this, that it has been refined from the klipa. This brings more light. This is the main laughter and enjoyment above. When we mevarer, when we fix 
the, the forces that are unholy. The Kadaskafya Sitra Akra, when the other side is subdued, Istalik Yakada Kutra Biruchu Bikula Alma. God's glory rises in all worlds. Ulazayuva now will understand Masha Ratsa Yitzchak Lavarachas Esav. Why Yitzchak wanted to bless Esav. Vahainu because Yitzchak saw that there is a spark. That's the number eleven that's inside of him. Remember we said Yitzchak is like the goat, and the goats are in eleven? There is a spark in him. It's above him, it's higher. He saw holy souls in him. And we find Taka later that many great souls came from Esau. Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Meir, Uncle Sager, great people came from Esau. And they fell down in Esau. And they need to be refined. Instead of being busy with Yaakov, you wanted to bless Dafka Esau. Because converting something from unholy to holy. Making a ger is greater than just working with someone that's within already. Sheyuchel is bader mitzad atzmai to to shaloyai de Yaakov dafke. And Yitzchak wanted to give him the blessing that Esau should be able to fix himself. Now the emesis we don't ignore that our avoda for the last two, 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 three and a half thousand years is to fix Esau. That's why we live amongst the Gentiles. We fix them, but it's the Jew fixing him. Yitzchak wanted to give Esau the opportunity to fix himself. Maybe Esau can bring that extra light to the world by him coming out of his own darkness. So Yitzchak said that what? If I'm going to give him a boost, if I'm going to give him a heavy dose of spiritual light, what is that going to give him? That's going to give Esau the ability to be able to fix himself. The mistake that he made was that Esau is not going to fix himself with that extra light. Instead of taking that, he's going to further denigrate himself. He's going to further, it's like giving a drug addict a lot of money to go to, you give him, you give, that's what you do, you give a drug addict, you give him, you give him $100,000 that he should go get counseling. He has enough money for therapy and everything. What do you think he's going to do with the $100,000? He's going to buy more drugs. And he's going to end up even much worse than he is. That's exactly what Yitzchak was going to do over here. He thought that by giving Esau a boost of Kedusha, he's going to pick him up. Instead, we you know what would have happened, that extra energy, Esau would have had extra vigor and energy in all the sins that he's doing. He would have corrupted that extra energy as well. That's why Esau's blessings are still meant for Esau, but they have to go through Yaakov. Yaakov is the caretaker. He holds these blessings for Esau, and he works with him bit by bit until he gets him. What you could do when someone is, needs help is you give it to a, you give the money not to the drug addict, but you give it to someone else who's going to monitor him and take him and make sure that he goes through the, the, to, to the, uh, through rehab and fixes himself up. But it's really, the money is not meant for the, but here's the idea. The money is not meant for the caretaker. It's meant for the, for the guy who needs the help. But you can't trust him with it. And that's the idea. He wanted to add in great light. He blessed him. When he blessed him from the dew of heaven, he was blessing him with the highest godly light. The light that comes down from the ancient of days called Atik Yom. This is the very dew that's going to make the resurrected dead. And that's what he wants. He sees Ace of dying. He knows he has a powerful spark. He wants to resurrect him. 
Mesim Upchinas, what are these Mesim? Zion, Malkin, Kadmon, the seven ancient kings of the world of Tayu. Shenoflu Beshvira that fell in the Shvira Sakalim, Shrikra Mesim. Shem Shenem of Ayimlech Vayomas, Vayday Tal the Notif, Ma'atik Yoimim. And through this very powerful light from dew that comes down from Atik Yoimim, Ayadeza Yichyua Mesim, the dead will come alive. Vizeshon Oimim, Birchas Atal, Birchas Atta Gibor. That's why we say the blessing of dew in the blessing of Atta Gibor. Gevura over here in Atta Gibor doesn't mean withholding, contraction. When you say the second bracha, Atta Gibor, what you're really doing is you're turning on a faucet. You know, if you see something, you turn on a faucet, and it's a nice flow. Sometimes you turn on a faucet, and it's, it like comes like crazy. The, the water power, the water pressure is so strong that the water. That's Atagibar. Atagibar is like Tagbur Sachayas. The energy is flowing with all of its intensity, and from there comes Tchias Amesim. Al Derech Gibar Kari, Al Derech Mashakosim Al Yisal Al Gibar Bigvurasi Kamagvuris Keshamim, like rain. Sheyardim Bigvura, they're coming down with intensity. Shazayin Tagbur Sachesed. This is the kindness, like we said before at the beginning, that gold is also love, but it's intense love. Adam is also Gevura, and that's where Chayas comes from. A dead body is cold. Because the dew is going to make Here's the thing. Now, the life that flows from God is a life that can only flow into living people. That life Today's life, if you even if you put that life back to a dead body, it won't respond. Because it's ordinary chayas. In order to get the dead to come alive, Hashem is going to f- turn the faucet of life. So life is going to start flowing like, and even dead things are going to come alive. Because life is going to be far more potent. That's why is said in Atogibar. Because in order to get something that's dead to be alive, you need tagburis achayis. Lachen Yitzchak shugam came bchinas gevurais. Yitzchak, who is the man of gevuris, he sees a dead man, Esav. He's dead because spiritually he's dead, and he wants to resurrect him. So what does he want to give him? He wants to give him like when they do when they come in the chasushal to a heart attack patient and the heart stopped. What do you do? No, when the heart stopped, you want to give him a shock, an electric shock. What is it called? What? AED, but there's another word for it. They give him a what? What? A defibrillator. So you give him a. So the Yaakov. So this is what Yitzhak wanted to give Esau now. He wanted to give him like a real, a real zinger into his soul. Bang. But not stam gevura, but tagburis achayis. Lechem zavu beyoker makesev. That's why gold is far more valuable than silver. Va'afal piken kesev utiva v'zav koines akesev. Vaneshanogus ha'olim esedachlis dafkai deipchenes chasadim. It's interesting. Even though gold has a greater value than silver, we don't use gold as currency. We use silver as currency because. Um, um, because the currency means the way things are conducted. Currency conducts, the whole world spins on money. So that means like this. Even though Gevura is greater than Chesed, but the Hanhaga of the world, the currency has to be Chesed, has to be silver. You see how everything has meaning? 
The reason why money is silver is because the world has to flow through kindness. And our gevura is intensity. At certain moments, you need a hashpas of gevura. That's true. Certain times. But that's only, you know, when it's necessary. But Yitzchak, he's the man of gevura. Um, by Torah it says that it's more precious than gold and puz, which is a different. He wanted to draw down the dew. The sparks of holiness that were absorbed in him should be able to be elevated to holiness. Not through Yaakov, his brother. And even though Esav doesn't mention God's name, and Yitzchak knew that, that's his internal state. Internally he's bad. But he saw that the makiv of his, which is the head of Esau, he has an attachment with holiness. This is the pure levaina that we spoke about earlier. Because of his makiv, he wanted to draw down to added lights. And that will affect his panemius as well. They made a mistake. Esav is not worthy for this. He needs Yaakov to do it. If this extra dose of energy would be drawn down on Esav, he will swallow this up, this energy, and instead of that soul dominating his body, he will grab that and cause that extra energy to become imprisoned to his to his um, uh, whatever ways. Or another possibility is that he's going to destroy him by this extra zap of light. Is it one of the two? Either it meaning either he's going to Asaph is going to grab that as well and corrupt that as well, or the kedusha is going to be too strong. It's going to blow him. He's going to blow a fuse. Basically, it doesn't mean he's going to kill him. It can be that he would become mentally, you know, uh, whatever. It could have been, it could have been, you know, like sometimes a person can't handle something too much. Similar to when Hashem stuck out his pinky to the angels when they annoyed him. The angels, the angels were one day annoying God for whatever reason. And the Abish stuck out his pinky to them and he fried them all. That's what the Gemara says. Hashem stuck out his pinky. Whoops! All of them got burnt. But in order to transform Esau, that darkness should turn to light, and bitterness to sweetness, that Esau should remain who he is, and he should be bottled, um, that cannot be that Yaakov has to do. The power of Yaakov. He will do an internal surgery and will take out bit by bit and slowly do a a, reha- a rehabilitation on Esau. That's why when Yitzchak found out that Yaakov stole the blessing, he didn't call in Yaakov and give him over the head. He agreed to it. He said, Gam and let him also be blessed. Why? 
because he realized that Yaakov didn't steal it. He realized that Yaakov just, the way to bless Esau is to give it to Yaakov. If this is the way God made it, he realized that that's the way that needs to happen. Um, and then he blessed Esau as well. And then with the condition that he should be bottled to Yaakov, Okay, the mimer actually does continue, but this is already a full a full idea. I'm very tired. Uh, the mimer continues to explain why does Yaakov need the blessings. This is all explaining why Yitzchak needed it, why Esau needed it, and why he wanted to bless him, and why in the end Yaakov is going to get it to fix Esau. But why does Yaakov need the blessings on his end? Uh, Yaakov is an Ishtam, he's already a complete man. This he's going to explain in the next pieces, but I can't do it today.